and we're back. listening to How to Get Away with Shakespeare with Jane Fox and Gabriel Vega, starting now. Well, dear listeners, if you hear a noise in the background, it's my dog playing with our toy. We tried to prevent it from happening, but no success. She'll sleep in a while. Bear with us, please. And this is a final podcast. Of season one. <laughs> or perhaps forever. Oh, perhaps forever? Why? You don't want to podcast with me anymore? Well, you're going to Montreal, aren't you? Tell us what you're doing. Yeah, well, um, I'm moving away for a little while. Because I'm changing, because university is over. And uh, I'm changing gears a little bit. And going to see my, my family for a year. And uh, just... Write a book. We'll we'll still we'll still figure out how to do the podcast. We have Skype. We have everything, uh, and uh, Jane has a mic at home, so we'll we'll still do it. Uh, maybe not as frequently as we uh, we did uh, during these these weeks because we were on strike and again and that that was the perfect opportunity to do it week by week. But we will do the podcast for sure. We will continue. Hopefully. So, yeah. We're back with uh, part two of the season finale. The epic season finale. See, I was just looking for a way to make it a joke like the war between us will continue for infinity. Infinity war. <laughs> but I couldn't find a way to get it in. So. Wow. You just got it in, though. Always do in the end. <laughs> What are we talking about today? Because we talked about... Oh, yeah. We talked about Thor. We talked about Thor. We're, we're still going to talk about Thor a little bit today. Not too much. But we're going to link it to our main thing, which is Black Panther. That is Ryan Coogler's Black Panther. There's no other Black Panther movie. Though it has been like in various stages of development for like 30 years or something. Yeah. Like, originally, someone wanted to work on it. But this is the time. This is the year where, they, where it, it came happened. out. Well, it was the last year this year? This year. Okay, yeah. Uh, 2018. Um, so, um... What was your experience watching it? I was going to ask you the same thing, weirdly enough. Um, yeah, it's a huge event. People, the reaction is just incredible. Um, I've never seen... This, something quite like it and honest uh, i say that in the most honest way because i've never seen anything quite like it i was sitting um uh, beside me were a couple of black people and they were they were insane i've never seen so many a community so insane in a theater in a good way um which is which 
like we're used to that because we're white and we're years used to having superheroes that look like us right on a movie screen but it was crazy to see those people react the way they, they reacted i mean yeah there was even a thing where uh, uh someone affiliated with our university who runs like a community youth program took a bunch of the kids to a special screening of the movie they were all black and It was like a special thing for them, like seeing, being represented on the screen, like, because... Yeah. I mean, other than that... Even during Avengers Infinity War, when uh, Black Panther sh showed up, I don't want to give spoilers away, because you still should go see it, but it was crazy. When uh, T'Challa came on, they were like, yeah, that's my man, yeah! <laughs> they were still... It's crazy to see that. I, I like it. And the fact that, he, I mean, he's one of the only good superheroes, to be honest. Yeah, and it was the same experience for me uh, watching Wonder Woman last year. Uh, I liked Wonder Woman. I watched it with my mom. It was a good film. It was, it was fine. Thor is better. But... Uh, <laughs> Don't joke. Thor is better. I actually believe that. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> anyway, she's making faces here. I'm it was a fine film. It's just the hype of... Uh, uh, the writing was bad and everything. It was Zyke Snydery, and I don't like that. Uh, anyway, I, I could go I on and on and better, on. But I don't think... But I think Thor was worse. No, I, I, I don't think Wonder Woman is a good film. Yeah, I, I love the, the experience. That was the same experience. That was a similar experience. I was watching it with my mom, and the women in that theater were crazy, too. Because the, they've never seen a superhero that... That that was the main uh, the the main character that yeah it's on like, screen other than live that, action it's like Catwoman and like Black Widow and you're like I don't like the characters in the comics are great but then on screen it's like they're like the sixth minor character in the movie you know and yeah and it was really about feminism and really turn the everything around with uh, uh, looking at it from the male the, the, the female perspective and making the male the woman the, the girl in distress or whatever you call it damsel in distress right uh, anyway so yeah Black Panther was was like that uh, it was crazy so what was your first experience watching it I liked it I thought it brought up a lot of really interesting sort of ambiguities and themes like watching it I was thinking a lot about like Malcolm X and sort of the dichotomy presented by media about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. and it seemed to me like there were a lot of elements of that kind of thing you know um, of isolationism versus you know generosity towards others and inclusion being brought up in the film in a really interesting way which I think we'll talk more about later yeah Um, but a lot of really complex issues that could not be resolved in any, like, complete way, which often is not the case in superhero movies. It's like we defeat the bad guy and then everything is good again. But I think the mark of a good movie is when even when you do the best thing, something bad still happens because of it. You know what I mean? It's 
more complex. Yeah, I don't think that that's what I liked about the movie too. I don't think it's black and white. I I think it's the the characters are very gray, mm-hmm. um, especially T'Challa at the end. He 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 doesn't want to uh, the enemy to die. He offers to save him. Um, he also is not uh, completely the good guy when when uh, he's king of. Wakanda, or he's about right. to be king, which is interesting. And I mean, even Killmonger in the first like quarter of the movie, I was one hundred percent with him, like agreeing with him. It was only when he sort of got to the whole like kill Black Panther and take over that I was like, hmm, maybe not. But the first half, I was like, yes. I mean, I think he's completely right in thinking Wakanda should interfere, should not be isolationist. But he still killed people before he got to Wakanda, which... He was working in Black Ops, right? Yeah, but he was with uh, with Andy Serkis' character also, well, and stealing stuff. Uh, yes, yeah. But before you knew, like, about that stuff, I agreed with his yeah, ideology yeah, yeah. before I realized, like, hmm. Yeah, I get it, I get it. It's too extreme. Yeah, but they're all, like, gray in a way. Exactly, uh, yeah. At least uh, the, the T'Challa and uh, Killmonger uh, are, are really great. Even the king, the, 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 the dead king, is really great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll talk all about that on this podcast. We'll even link it to Thor because it's a two-parter. Uh, so this is part two. Um, so yeah, um, before we go any deeper... We'll talk about Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com Shakespeare. Over 180 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And for you, the listeners of the How to Get Away with Shakespeare podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All free. What have you been listening to, Jane? (laughs) I've been re-listening to um, Neil Gaiman's short story collection. Oh, is that the guy that uh, wrote uh, Norse mythology? Yeah, and he wrote American Gods and he co-wrote Good Omens. All of which are very good, but this is his, like, it's all his own short stories. Is he a good writer? Yes, yeah. I really enjoy him. You know, he been sort of like all elements of like fantasy you know supernatural horror it's like all mixed in it's not just realism it's very weird and twisted and trigger warning especially so you can tell by the title he sort of calls it like his book of things that should have a trigger warning on it um have you read norse mythology i haven't but i'll read it after james does is a do you know if loki and thor are in there I'm 100% sure that Loki and <laughs> Thor are in there. Probably Hela, too, and Odin, and, you know, Fenrir, and Sleepnir. I don't know, all the good people. <laughs> cool. That ties into our podcast. Thank you. <laughs> so, how can the listeners get those books for free? To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com Shakespeare. Again, that's audibletrial.com Shakespeare for your free audiobook. Thank you very much to Audible for sponsoring this podcast. We love you. All right, we're back, and we're going more in-depth with uh, Black Panther. 
Um, should we first discuss how similar to Thor Black Panther is? Because uh, I feel that's going to help us go uh, into what's taken from Shakespeare there or how similar Shakespeare is in Black Panther and Thor. Sure, yeah, we can do that. What do you think? Well, they're both... Um, I don't know. They're both royalty, which is... Uh, funny i hesitated because i was like thor is a god but black panther is not a god i was like no they're both royalty and they're they're both uh it's a both a story about uh who's gonna go on the on the throne exactly who's yeah, gonna get on the throne how to be kings but i feel like we've discussed uh on last episode that thor uh was uh, the film Thor was all for Thor to be worthy uh, for the throne. Um, and I feel Black Panther is that too. Uh, I feel uh, that T'Challa thinks he's worthy and he certainly proves that he's worthy when he, he fights uh, the, the, the first man in the beginning uh, during the ritual or the ceremony or whatever they call it. Um, but then he learns a lot about his past and he learns a lot about uh, who he really is, who his father really was. And he now made, makes his own decisions and I think he's more worthy uh, by the end. It's not the same as Thor, but it's kind of a similar journey. Yeah, I was thinking it's almost like a coming-of-age story because, you know, he he sort of goes to take the throne and then, you know, it's a story of him learning more about his family's past, you know, how things are sort of deeper and more complex than at first they seemed, you know, you just hear from like inside the country and inside your family, you know, this very specific story and then you go out and interact with other people and find out that there are so many different experiences to be had and views of, you know, of royalty and of your country. So it seems to me like, I don't know if... Black Panther seems as much about worthiness as Thor did, but I agree it's still it's still definitely a point. But I would I don't think he has as dramatic a change in goal as yeah. Thor does. Like right. he I don't think he tries to sacrifice himself really. You know what I mean? It's more about finding that he can fail and then failing and growing from that. Yeah, I'll give you my reasons when it comes to Shakespeare. I think later on, but because uh, I have a little some points that are very similar to the Thor in there. Um, so let's just talk about um, yeah, the Black Panther uh, and Shakespeare. So what's similar? Um, I guess we can start with royalty is a lot in Shakespeare. It's really present in Shakespeare. Um, but especially what's present, what's so similar to Shakespeare in this film is the story of Killmonger. Uh, yes, absolutely. And the story of his father. and uh, uh, It's very Hamlet. That's what I was thinking, yeah. I mean, if you, watch, if you were to watch the film from Killmonger's perspective, it would kind of be like watching Hamlet, wouldn't it? Yeah. With the exception of, like, the stepfather sleeping with his mom. That doesn't happen. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, 
you can definitely see how it is framed that way like you know he killed my father and now i'm gonna get revenge on his family right um so t'challa's father uh killed killmonger's uh father uh and now killmonger is seeking revenge is is revenge is the place on the throne i guess well it's also i think dialing back their isolationist policies and spreading Wakanda's sort of riches and intellectual advancements to the rest of the world. I think that's the greatest revenge, you know, because that's what his father wanted to do. Does he want to do that? Or Yeah, for sure. He wants to open Wakanda to the world, but I think he wants to do it in a Hitler kind of way. Uh, he wants... He wanted to share the weapons first thing, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he thinks quite... he's the superior species. Uh, Wakanda is a superior species, and they're gonna uh, take their, like they're they're gonna bring destruction or bring their wrath to the world. Does he think that they're a superior species, or does he think that they have so many advancements that they have to share? It's that he wants to give weapons to the people who never had them before, oppressed people, and through weapons, empower them to change their own lives and no longer be conquered. Now, if giving people weapons is the best way to do that is perhaps up to debate. That's part of the problem of, of what he's saying. But I don't think he's saying that he wants to rule the world. It's that he wants the those who were oppressed to be in power. Yeah, but he's he still wants... Uh the world to think that they're like Wakandas are gods because he says oh we'll come out on top this time so. yeah I think he wants to show people like Wakanda because that's their whole story right that they're you know they keep calling themselves a third world country and then all of a sudden they want to say you know you were wrong about us we are not what you thought what you thought we were what you assumed we were and I think it's sort of a you know you can imagine that moment like showing everyone what the world is which is what happens at the end of the movie right so that's his revenge i guess yeah um because i was like oh uh, yeah i was asking myself what's his revenge he doesn't want to get the, the the murder of his father because the murder of his father is dead uh like hamlet uh wanted uh with the claudius Right. And uh, the murderer of his father uh, is not uh, sleeping with his mother either, uh, which is not Hamlet-like. Um, but it still takes the, the themes and expands them and looks at them in the new way, I think. I uh, mean, if we think about it, it's sort of like a more symbolic view. Like, So his country is america but it's african people in america right who were oppressed and we can sort of think about the wakandans who aren't helping as in a way sleeping with the mother country america it's sort of that betrayal because they're still you know wow <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs> because it's still sort of the same thing happening you right. know it's that everyone's forgotten about his father or you know yeah 
that he was <laughs> that he was actually Wakandan, uh, yeah, and that he's actually uh, the heir to the, the throne. Exactly, uh, or that he has a claim anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a great point. Cool, and and sort of like Hamlet is in the the mm-hmm. he's forgotten basically in the in in the play. He's yeah, everybody doesn't care about his father's death really uh, which is very very similar and even at some points the the father's ghost shows up like and just walks across Hamlet's vision and is like don't forget about me (laughs) because he's so worried that Hamlet will forget about him too you know but there are also ghosts in Black Panthers in Black Panther which uh, is very similar to Hamlet too because um, isn't uh, uh, Killmonger's father talk- talking to him? Yeah, when well, Killmonger uh, when Killmonger uh, uh, becomes the Black Panther, mm-hmm. uh, he sees his father, and uh, yeah, it was kind I of mean, the same. The whole thing with the ancestral tree with the Panthers, we talked about this when we talked about Hamlet and the Lion King, which is right. sort of similar imagery, like with the tree and like all exactly, the- yeah. Also, uh, speaking of fathers and ghosts, um, they're, uh, they're like Hamlet, uh, T'Challa gets closer to his father. Uh, even Killmonger, who's supposed to be the Hamlet in this story, gets closer to his father. They both get close to their father. Like Thor also gets closer to Odin uh, throughout his journey. Uh, and... Yeah, it's very similar to uh, what Shakespeare does with his play. Uh, Any thoughts about that? I guess I'm wondering, do they get more similar to their fathers, or is it more about becoming more of themselves? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think part of the struggle here is that they're trying to... Understand themselves, perhaps? Or struggle between just, you know, following the father's traditions and moving on to their own sort of yeah. you know I mean at the end we see that he ultimately chooses to not follow the Wakandan policy of you know isolationism he goes off on his own path yeah and I think um, I think Hamlet is a lot like that too I think it's also an identity quest mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah so Thor is very much an identity quest and Black Panther is very much an identity quest. So I think that's very similar for both them and for Hamlet too. And that's very Shakespearean because Shakespeare loves... Uh, uh, it's not just, oh, uh, oh, he killed my father, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's kill him back. It's more like a deeper a journey that we're going to. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's not that basic. It's more like... Like, you, you have to go very, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but it's deep. It's, uh, uh, there's, yeah, a depth to it. Yeah, there's definitely that, like, the thing I liked about it was that first there was the internal conflict in this story, which is um, when Chaka, T'Chaka decides to kill, is it N'Jobu? Yeah. So that's an internal conflict, you know, he's right. deciding... Do I kill him or not? You know, mm-hmm. he is my brother. <laughs> but then we also have sort of a contained external conflict 
um, which is sort of the stuff within Wakanda, Severus, um, the Jabari people, who want to take over the throne. And then from there, once we've resolved that, we move on to the external conflict, which is sort of Wakanda and the whole world. Right. So we have sort of these three different levels, and I think having those three different ones, especially external versus internal, I mean, you need both of those to be a Shakespearean Mm -hmm. story. You need so much internal conflict, as we know from Hamlet and Lear (laughs) and Macbeth. Oh, yeah. But you also need the actual stuff happening in the plot. Yeah. It's... Is it... Is it I, I'm just thinking, since you mentioned Macbeth, uh, there's a struggle also with Killmonger uh, by the end of the, mm-hmm. of the film, uh, which he kind of... Like, there, there are remorse. There are remorse, and there are, like, this... McBetty, uh, I don't know, struggle by the end that he doesn't know if he did the right thing. He he doesn't go insane, but he's about to, uh, and it, it's kind of weird, a weird comparison, I think. Right, and I mean, from his point of view, T'Challa coming back must be sort of like when Banquo's Banquo's ghost appears at the banquet. And he's exactly. Like, oh. Good. <laughs> oh yeah, that's very Macbeth. Yes, yeah. there we go. But then he actually is back. But it, at first, when it killing the king, yeah, seems, good, yeah. good, uh, yeah, perfect. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. That's why I have you on the podcast <laughs> to help me out. Uh, I knew there was something there. Um, there are also exiles, like when we talk about. Uh, uh, Killmonger killing the king. He's also exiling him in a way, mm-hmm. uh, and that's very Shakespearean too. I mean, the family does go into literally go into exile. It's sort of mm-hmm. like it's sort of like actually, um, is it Macduff's family in Macbeth who um, he leaves his wife and his kids behind, which is sort of like what happens um, because after T'Challa is supposedly killed, um, T'Challa's mother and Shuri run off to the Jabari kingdom. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a parallel there. like Yeah. And then, of course, they find out that he's alive. And luckily, they do not suffer the same fate as the Macduff family. Right. So that's another Shakespeare theme. Um, now, we've talked about, uh, for Thor, uh, this... Uh, thing that he learns in the green world which is to be selfless to become selfless i think mm-hmm. um uh, and the green world in that movie is earth what is the green world in this movie is the green world when uh t'challa is supposedly dead uh and he goes into the snow mountains and whatever is that the green world is that uh yeah What's the dynamic there? Is it a green world? I don't know. I mean, what other elements does it have? Do you want to explain further? Well, it does have a change of power. It, it, like, T'Challa doesn't have his powers anymore, and he he does not... He's not king anymore. Uh, and there's another... Uh, like, the fairies in Midsummer Night's Dream. They are the 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 people in power in the forest... Uh, 
so there's another power there um so yeah it's kind of a green world like situation and i think also what makes it a green world is that t'challa comes out of it and he has learned something he has he, he has changed he has uh made a new friend and uh, yeah it's true but i mean i guess he makes the friend there but the only reason they rescue him is sort of to make equal you know he he didn't kill their leader mbaku so i mean in some way they were already they felt indebted and they've paid back the debt but then they do decide yeah to support him yeah I thought that was very similar to when Thor goes into the green world. He has no powers either. That's true. Um, similar, similar to Thor, yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he kind of learns to be uh, uh, like in, in, in the beginning, um, Umbaku and T'Challa want nothing to do with each other. Right. And uh, now he ha- T'Challa has to learn to accept help from the outside and Mbaku has to accept that he he shouldn't be alone and he should also he should help his uh, his people which is Wakanda and uh, but also I think it's sort of a, it's a microcosm of Wakanda's problem I think probably T'Challa comes out of that realizing oh that's what I've been doing to other people all along because we have this country that is sort of, you know, they don't want to be even associated with Wakanda. They want to be sort of off in the mountains, anti-technology, like by themselves, small group. And then they take pity on him and rescue him. And sort of like he does with Everett K. Ross, Mm -hmm. they heal him. And then ultimately, I think he comes to realize that if they hadn't helped him, he would be dead. And so I think it causes him to reflect on what Wakanda has been doing by ignoring the plight of black people across the world. Right. Yeah. But uh, do you see other places that are green world-like in the movie uh, where there's a change of power? Yeah, I would argue that, I mean, I would argue that the the place sort of on the mountain by the waterfall that they go... Um, do the ritual to do and the ritual and yeah the where sort of the, uh, they, the they t- take the away combat. the powers yeah, yeah. because um, I mean it's sort of midsummer night's dreamy because they take the the magic flower before and after mm-hmm. to you know in this case it's to give themselves the black panther powers or to take them away in midsummer night's dream it's to give you the power of love even if it's compelled irresistible <laughs> relentless love or take it away. It's sort of like the idea that you can just put something in your physical body and your mind and your heart will match it. I right. think that's similar. Yeah. Um, I also think when he goes into the real world, yeah, sure, he does have his Black Panther power and, uh, and everything, but he's still... Uh, unknown to the world he mm-hmm. does, he's not king of the world he's king of wakanda uh which is a change of in powers again uh and it's still green green world like even though uh, black panther is stronger than everybody else in this world right. too because they don't know they think wakanda's you know like they said a third world country yeah 
So uh, yeah, I would argue that uh, the real world, or quote unquote the Earth, the rest of the Earth, uh, is also a green world uh, in this thing, in this movie. Um, now I wanted to ask you, because I like asking you questions. I know. <laughs> That's my favorite thing on this podcast. Um, Loki and Killmonger. What do you think of are are they similar? Are they are they is Killmonger Iago like, or is Killmonger somebody else? You know, I think he could be Iago like, but. I don't know. I feel like he's a much more honest character. You know, I don't feel mm-hmm. like he's trying to manipulate people. I feel like he is very smart and very strategic, but he's not trying to sneak around people and convince them to do what he wants. You know, he's being very open the whole time about what he's there for, except with the moment of reveal at the beginning where he reveals, you know, that he is, you know, a you know, a, he has a claim to the throne that he's from Wakanda when he shows, you know, the words on his bottom lip. But other than that, I really don't see him being, like, a liar or mischievous. But perhaps that's what we would have seen if he had had a normal childhood without the loss of his father. I mean, that can affect you in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but I think also uh, he's similar to Loki, specifically. Uh, Killmonger when because they both won the, the throne uh, and they're both outsiders in a way uh, and that that kind of they're kind of similar in that way but I don't think specifically that Killmonger is a Iago I don't think he's mm-hmm. uh, he's, he, he's planning uh, 30 steps ahead like Loki or Iago um but yeah, and when you, you 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 told me about you you said your answer, I was thinking also Killmonger uses a lot of disguise in the beginning, and that's very Shakespearean too. Uh, uh, like the outsider, uh, it reminds me of Midsummer, uh, uh, not Midsummer Night's Dream, but uh, The Winter's Tale uh, with uh, Perdita uh, being like uh, a foreigner and an outsider, but she's actually. Uh, deserve the, she actually deserves the, the throne because Leontes is her father and there's a lot of that in Shakespeare people who who aren't actually what they're thought to be right I mean and we see too um, when they go to what is it like the casino where Everett Ross is where they eventually when they're going to try to run to um, Ulysses Clow for the first time yeah. Um, they're all in disguise, right? Like, um, the member of the Dora Milaje is wearing a wig that she then throws at someone, which is, like, the best moment in the movie. Yeah. Um, but it's very much, yeah, like, disguising your true identity is something that happens constantly in Shakespeare from, you know, what's his name? Edward, Edward, not Ed, whatever the other Edward Wynn is. Or in As You Like It. Or in As You Like It, yeah. Um, like King Lear, Tom the Fool, um, As You Like It. Uh, Cymbeline, too. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's another thing, uh, I guess. Uh, this guy is a power of, yeah, just you're, you're not who you're thought to be. Um, 
And yeah, that's also ties into identity a little bit. Right. Uh, which is, I think, very similar here. Uh, and that's Thor too. That's that's that relates to Thor too. But it's interesting because no one can pretend to be Wakandan, because all they would have to do is say, "Well, show us," you know, a special marking. Yeah. Um. So it's always people pretending to be. I mean, if we want to consider the rest of Earth like the pastoral, you know. Right. It's never the opposite way. It's never someone pretending to belong to the court. But I was saying Thor because he also like loses his power and he, they think he's just crazy uh, <laughs> when he he's human. Oh, oh I'm Thor, the, the Norse god, uh, and I want to go back to Asgard. Uh, so yeah, the, that's kind of that kind of ties in, in a way. You're not who you pretend to be, but he's he's not trying to disguise himself, or he's not. Uh, He's actually saying, "Oh, I, I, I'm actually more than I, than I am." Right. Um, yeah. Also, something I I saw I was thinking about today uh, was Wakanda and the island in the tempest in the tempest, uh, which is like cut off from the world, uh, which was an an interesting comparison. I guess the difference would be there. I mean, I see. I do agree with what you're saying, but. Then, of course, we have Prospero, who comes in immediately, is that colonizing influence. And, yeah. I mean, I guess who would be that in... Killmonger a little bit, I guess. For is he a colonizing <laughs> I don't influence? Know. But I mean, he's definitely trying to open the island up to the rest of the world. But he wants to be on top. And that reminds me a lot of the British and uh, the way they wanted to it's get true, everybody. He wants to de- do that in order to empower the oppressed and the subjugated. Oh, let's help the, the the poor African. Let's give them education and Christianity. and Like he wants to do that. Well, uh, Kelmonger with weapons. and. But I don't think he wants to. The difference would be that colonizers want to rule that country. I don't think he wants to do that. I think he wants to. like. That's why he sends off weapons, you know. He, he and he sends them off in like what unarmed planes essentially yeah. like he doesn't send people with them to enforce law and you know teach people how to use the weapons not yet he just, not yet i mean <laughs> maybe he had a larger plan for once the riots are over i don't know but it seems to me like he doesn't have that interest in controlling people i don't know way. i see him as a colonizer I see him as someone that wants to be on top and wants to, like, impose his his laws and his uh, regime upon the world. I think he wants to impose his moral and ethic standards upon the Wakandans, who live a very different lifestyle. He goes there from the U.S., Mm -hmm. which also, I mean, is very similar in its isolationist policies, but then it eventually stopped being so isolationist so there's a parallel there but he goes to wakanda from america despite his lineage so he's not Mm -hmm. familiar with the culture there so he is sort of imposing himself on them oh and that ties into prospero what he does with caliban yeah Uh, it it was my island (laughs) something that caliban says or something like that yeah Uh, he was gonna people it with little calibans and Prospero is an outsider, and uh, 
not in the play because now he, he rules the, the the island and he's the colonizer and he's the, but one of the very first things we learn Prospera does is ingratiate himself with Caliban and I think I think just Caliban actually like mm-hmm. he gets him to show him all the best spots on the island where to get food where to get water and what we see Killmonger do is immediately bring them someone they desperately wanted killed he brings them the body of Ulysses Clow and right. he gets that sort of that clout pun <laughs> with them you know he get he immediately brings them something that they wanted and so he wins favor that's interesting yeah yeah it's weird i always get super prepared for for this podcast but we always uh during my discussion with Shane, i always find something new that i never thought of and that's something uh well i said that yeah for sure (laughs) i'm kidding but it's so interesting because you think you've thought of everything when you prepare it but then Mm. yeah that's why i like having these conversations this is why conversation is important because you can think about everything in your own head like to to death but eventually you know someone else is going to say what about this and you're going to go like hmm why didn't i think of that two weeks ago yeah it's so interesting um Okay, we'll end the podcast uh, like we ended the other episode, which we're going to talk about Shakespeare and romance. What about the love with uh, Nakia? Uh, is this Shakespeare and romance? Because uh, we talked about Jane and Thor last week. Uh, so what is this? Oh, I also want to talk about the women. Yes, um... I really like Nakia's character that she was just off doing her own thing like you know rescuing girls and women like off in Nigeria I thought that was great and then it made sense that he wanted her to be there for his coronation but also I mean I didn't really feel like there needed to be a romance in the story I'm just I guess I'm just not a very romantic person but mine's also Hollywood that was her romance <laughs> and it's Lupita Nyong'o but like yeah but I think I, I didn't see a Shakespearean romance I just want, wanted to know if you, you saw one um, uh, I was thinking more about the women and how different from Shakespeare the women are in this uh, <laughs> in this film yeah. they're so freaking badass like fighters all of them uh which you don't see a lot in Shakespeare, and you don't see a lot in Thor. Uh, we saw Sif, Lady Sif, but she she was there like two seconds. Uh, right. She, yeah, the the women own their own in this movie, which is up to time of twenty eighteen. Uh, True. Uh, but it was nice to see when analyzing Shakespeare to see a difference there. Mm-hmm. between his women and the women in Black Panther. Right, and a large part of that could be because it's not... I mean, a large part of it is not derived from European um, sort of myths and stories. Right. It's it's a lot of African folklore. Yeah. But I think that shows an evolution also in the way people think of women now mm-hmm. as opposed to how they thought of women uh, in Shakespeare 
is time and for a long time. I mean, Shakespeare, I, I gotta argue, he was a great fighter for a woman in his time, uh, even though they, they were still uh, at the bottom of the cast list. Uh, you could write many, many, and I've written many essays on this, uh, uh, that Shakespeare is a great fighter for women. But I think Ryan Coogler is, uh, is really a good fighter for women, too. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it was great to see a change there. Yeah, I mean, just the idea of the all-female, you know, sort they're of not protection the for the king. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, exactly. Usually, I mean, I can imagine this with another movie. Like, it would be the two men against each other. They're, like, you know, 90% of the movie. And then, like, 10% is, like, other side characters. Half of that is women. Yeah. Like, and that's how I feel when we're watching a lot of movies. And that doesn't mean it's a bad movie, but a lot of the time it's, like... Okay, well, here's the the two seconds of the female character reacting. Yeah, and they're not the damsel in distress, and Nikia is also not just the romantic. Uh, uh, she doesn't uh, serve the the romantic. Uh, yeah, she serves it, but there's she there's more to her than just serving the romantic uh, place older, you know. Right. Uh, which is great, I think. And she doesn't like get injured and need to be rescued. Um, she actually goes on the mission with them, like to uh, is it South Korea? Yeah, it's Busan. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't stay back. <laughs> right. Uh, which is great. So yeah, there's a change in women. Uh, it was just inter- interesting to think about Shakespeare's women and this uh, this story, uh, this movie. Um, yeah. All right. So, anything else you want to say before we go to our quote? I don't think so. Good movie. Yeah, go watch it if you haven't watched it. And then watch Avengers Infinity War because although uh, Chadwick Boseman said that it was... (laughs) He insisted that uh, at a press conference that Avengers Infinity War was not uh, Black Panther uh, (laughs) 1.5... It is. Uh, I haven't seen it, so. There's a lot of Black Panther in there. There's, there are a huge part of the movie. But I agree. I kind of agree with him in a way. Okay. So, the quote for the week, I picked it. Because I think, uh, as we talked about, uh, there's a lot of similarities between uh, Thor's quest and Black Panther's quest. Uh, they're both... Uh, they're both asking that question that I'm going to read in their movies, whether it is unconsciously or consciously. The two movies are about the heroes finding out who they really are and what defines them. Do their fathers define them? Does T'Challa want to be like his father? Or, in the case of Thor, is he really that selfish? Uh, and, yeah. Is he... Is, is he gonna let his selfishness define him or is he gonna reveal who he really is Uh, which is more than that Um, so they both go on identity identity quest and I think this quote speaks to that uh, from King Lear who is it that can tell me who I am Uh, and that yeah that's my quote any thoughts on that it's an interesting choice of words in the quote who is it that can tell me? 
because it should be. Who is it? Who can tell me? Shakespeare, know your grammar. But I think it's intentional. Um, but like King Lear is in a way asking the universe uh, <laughs> to tell him uh, who he really is or the people in front of him. Uh, but I think Black Panther and Thor are asking that too, unconsciously, to the universe. Who is it? Or what uh, can t tell me who I am? Uh, like, yeah. Can you really, can you tell me who I am? But of course, no one can tell someone who, who anyone, who anyone is, so. But they discover it, which they get the answers. Yeah, but of course, you have to discover it yourself. Yeah. But it's a you that you haven't met, so in some way, it's not that you, it's, you have to evolve as a person before you can find out. Yeah. So at that point in time, there's no one who can tell you. But yeah, the universe takes its time to tell you things sometimes. Uh, yeah. We've all seen that happening in our own lives. <laughs> God. Um, and it's still happening. Okay. So this is where we leave you for season one. End of season one. End of season one of this podcast. Ten episodes. Uh, so yeah follow us uh, and message us and yeah tell us what we can do for season 2 send me all your craziest Harry Potter theories about Shakespeare yeah I will actually read all of those fan fiction between Malfoy and Harry Potter okay uh, <laughs> uh, how to get away with Shakespeare attacks. how to get away with Shakespeare at gmail.com <laughs> if you want to send those um, or you can message us on I'll Twitter. transfer them to Jane and uh, you can message us on Twitter at Jane the Fox and at I am uh, no it's Vega Gabe sorry <laughs> yeah I'm so confused uh, but you can also follow my instagram i am gabriel vega uh, mine is also jane the fox so i'm not that difficult to find someone else has made it difficult um yeah bye If you liked this podcast and want more, go on iTunes and search for How to Get Away with Shakespeare. We're also on SoundCloud, Spreaker.com, and YouTube. Again, thank you very much for listening. Cheerio!